6 to 7 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Regarded by many as a springbok who never played test rugby because of the racial laws of the past, Ngongi rose to prominence on his debut for the South African Rugby Association team against France in 1975 in East London. His performance earned him an invitation to play for the world team against the French in Paris. And we must say a big thank you to the French people who at least recognized his talents because he was a brilliant center. He had the speed, he had the ability, he could read games and the way he conducted himself on and off the field was an example to every human being around him. At the time of his death, he was the president of his childhood club, Starofope. He played all his rugby under the club's banner. Under his guidance, the club reached the semi-finals of the Eastern Cape Super League last season. And he was able to tackle, no matter how, how huge you are. He, was, he could tackle, no matter how huge you are. And he could bypass you if he wants to. Those are the things that, that saw Timothy emerging as a great player in, in South Africa. He was, he was a brilliant player. He knows how to, to, to start move. Not on the middle of the field, you must start to move. You must start to move in 25 meters. Then you see, see start of hope. They say skip one, skip two, skip three. Ngongi leaves behind his wife and six children. Their funeral date will be announced soon. Tabo Daniels, SABC News, Utenik. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for staying with us on SAFM and for joining us on SAFM Spot On this evening with me, Tabiso Musia, Katlako Mudiba, and Timothy producing the show with Sylvester Komani in a technical. It is a flashback Friday, and as usual, on a Friday, we like to catch up with our sporting stars of years gone by and also share some untold stories of South African sport because we also like to educate each other on this show. And uh, tonight, we are celebrating one of the heroes of a black rugby during the dark days of apartheid, a man who, despite the challenge, in the country at the time went to play against France and played against the All Blacks as you also heard uh, his story in that intro that we played uh, from Tabo Daniels of SAPC News. He was later awarded his Springbok Colours in 2013 in recognition of his contribution to the game of rugby against all odds. We are talking about former Springbok Timothy Ngongi who sadly passed away um, last month but his legacy lives on and we will try our best to tell his story tonight with the help of his family and uh, former players as well as uh, teammates and at the time of his passing um SA Rugby President Mr. Mark Alexandra paid a glowing tribute to Mr. Timothy Nkonki who passed away at the age of 70 and uh, in the statement SA Rugby said that uh, we extend our condolences to the family of former national player and club rugby president Timothy Nkonki. Nkonki's celebrated career stretched from the mid-1970s to the 80s. It included obtaining national colours for the Leopards of the South African African Rugby Board, the SA Africans and the South African Barbarians. 
Nigerians. We have lost a rugby icon, said Mr. Alexandra. Timothy was a class act on the field and a true servant to the game, not only as a player, but also as the president of the Star of Hope Rugby Club in Utenag, a role he occupied until his passing. He was one of the first black players to feature in a multiracial South African team and to represent the country outside of our shores, while his list of achievements include playing against the All Blacks and the British and Irish Lions, among other international side which many players old and young have only dreamed of so we want to pay tribute then to this great player and uh, this great man and we will speak to his family and we'll speak to his former teammates and people that can uh, share his story and tell his story uh, to those who are not aware of a Timothy Ngongi and if you do know a Timothy Ngongi I know that uh, in the Eastern Cape he is a big name especially at Tinakana Sepai you can send us your voice notes to this WhatsApp number 061-4104107 it's 061-4104107 we also take SMS on 41391 or you can call us directly if you am Kumbulu Timothy Ngongi I know you're listening on the by you can call us on 0891-104207 Zanzi's Sporting Milestones Moments and Stories Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musia. And uh, let's start off the show then by speaking to Usivi Ngongi, who is the son of the late Mr. Timothy Ngongi. And uh, he, we just want to find out more about his old man. Siviwe, good evening from us on SAFM. Uh, firstly, please accept our condolences, but thank you for speaking to us tonight. Um, good evening, Tabizo, and to the rest of the SAFM listeners. Um, thank you very much for all the condolences um, right across uh, um, the country. Um, it's been a great um, help for us as well through this uh, trying time. I was about to say it must have been a tough a few weeks for, for, for the family since the passing of your old man. Um, yeah, definitely, for sure. He was a true dad and a true grandpa, so we are feeling um, him not being around. He was doing a lot for us, um, I mean, in terms of um, in around the house and between me and my sisters, and just uh, being a great head for the family. So we're really feeling it. It's been a tough few weeks. It's a big adjustment for us, but um, we're taking it at a, a day at a time. Well, South African sports or South African rugby has lost an icon, as mentioned, in the number of tributes, including the one that I just read from Saru President, Mr. Mark Alexander. But as a family, I mean, just tell us, what have you lost in, in Timothy Nkonki? Um... Unfortunately, I didn't see him play, but obviously he was a great rugby player. But just to sum it up, as great as he was as a rugby player, um, he was um, um, a better father by far and a better family man like by far as he was a rugby player. So we've lost um, a, a big leader, um, our anchor in the family. As I, I just mentioned, he was he was basically everything to us and to everybody that knew him. He was he, he was a, a really down to earth man. He 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 loved helping people. That it extended even outside the family itself. So us as a family, it's a really big um, loss that we suffered. Um, it's something that you don't really ever prepare for, and you can never be ready for. So um, we are feeling it as a family. Um, I mean, um, his grandchildren miss him every day. 
Uh, he was um, not only their grandpa, but he, he he was their best friend. So much like with us, his children, he wasn't just a dad. He was he was really a, a best friend and somebody that we could rely on 110% for anything and everything. And uh, he was a rugby man through and through, and I believe that he was still involved in the game uh, even in his final days. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> Um, that part we can never we, we could never take away from him. Um, he was he was a real rugby man. Um, he, he he was still president of Star of Hope and he was very very active. He actually led um, um, a big change in terms of uh, where Star of Hope was initially um, over the past few years to where they are today, which is playing um, top league in the Eastern Cape. So um, he he was really. Rugby uh, ran in his veins. Um, he, it was rugby every day, every day, Monday to Sunday with him. So that part of his life, it never changed. He really, really loved the sport um, through and through until his um, final days. And do you believe, Sevira, that South African rugby or South African sport was able to recognize him and give him his flowers while he was still alive and could smell them? Um, <laughs> I think that would be up for debate, but... For me personally, I don't think any of uh, our black heroes have gotten um, as much recognition as they should. Um, I was discussing this with a few guys, I think it was a few weeks ago, after his passing, and they were saying that, um, why are, are, are they, the, the, the black spring books um, not as recognized as their counterparts? So, I mean, in terms of, like, even stadiums, we don't have stadiums being named after these guys, but um, they, they, they do have their colors. So, um, in terms of him specifically not being recognized, um, I don't think he was. I really don't think so, because I never actually knew how, how famous my dad is until you start hearing people talking about him and stuff, uh, and when you go around and then when you read the articles that he's kept, um, and then you just see how much of a big, uh, how much of a hero he was, and an icon he was. And that being said, I sh- I feel like uh, our black heroes should definitely de- uh, deserve more um, recognition in terms of what they did out there. And what did he make of the state of rugby uh, before his passing, Sevier? Um. <laughs> Specifically here in the Eastern Cape, mm. it's, uh, it's all over the show. I don't want to lie. Um, I still play, so I still feel um, the wrath of the, the the state of um, our rugby here in the Eastern Cape. He was a big advocate in terms of um, fighting for fairness and, pro, uh, and progress in terms of rugby. But still, um, look, um, in terms of our rugby, the state of the rugby in the Eastern Cape is really is really all over the show, to be honest. It's a struggle that we deal with every single day, um, hoping things will change. But it's a fight that's continuous, and, and that's one of the biggest things that I think even uh, a lot of clubs here in the Eastern Cape or in our region um, knew my dad, that he continuously was fighting and... He was he got under uh, a lot of people's skin because of that, but he was a man of truth. So um, he uh, and fairness. So that's what he was really fighting for. And it's such a shame that we have to even go to the point of actually fighting just to 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 
to for for boys to play rugby and enjoy themselves. So currently, it's even now. Currently, it's 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 uh, it's not where it should, it should be. And as a result, the, the rugby in the region is suffering um, in general. Let's go to the lines. Uh, we are speaking to Osiviwe uh, Nkonki, who is the son of the late former Springbok, Timothy Nkonki, and we're just trying to share his story, find out more about this uh, Springbok that was only awarded his colours back in 2013. And we've got Dr. Pillay on the line. I believe Dr. Pillay is from Utenek. Good evening, Dr. Pillay. Good evening, and good evening to your listeners. Thanks for joining us. No, firstly, we wanted to say we are sad at the loss of the Nkonki here. Mm. But, you know, mm. he was a man... I just want to recall something that although he was not looked at and didn't get the recognition that he needed, he loved rugby so much that he didn't want the game to be lost. When I was the first uh, mayor, the TLC chairperson during the transition period, I remember that Ngobi came to me and he said, Obile, how can we get these people in the central rugby fields the sole use of these grounds for one random month? And our people have no field. And uh, I said, no, we'll look into it and we must change it. And I said, well, will you manage it if we give it? And he was so magnanimous because he had rugby first. He said, Mm. no, no, no. You see, uh, we don't want to take the field. We want rugby to be played. And all people must have access to the field, including them, because I don't want them to stop playing rugby but I want them to be part with us to play rugby mm. together. And, and it was, uh, it was, I was just uh, green at the time, learning about things. And it was a magnanimous thing and a gesture from a person who was being sidelined. But he loved the game so much that he could look beyond himself and what happened to him for the greatness of the game. And I think he, for us and rugby and him and Yutnik is just one. And uh, on that note, for you, Dr. Pillay, I mean, how, how, how did you know Mr. Nkonki and when did you first come across him? No, when I became, that's, that's the first time I came across oh, him. Oh, that was and the first after time. That he was, and then after that, he got involved in some rugby development. We did some school programs together and things like that. But, I mean, for him, uh, I know his family will say he was a good father, but rugby came first for him. Uh, thanks for the call. Thanks for sharing that story, Dr. Dr. Pillay. On that note, Siviwa, you say you also play rugby. I mean, how big an influence then was your dad? Um, he's probably the biggest influence that I've had in terms of me playing rugby. Um, I remember I started playing at about, we still accompanying him to the fields and um, for rugby practices when he was um, taking up coaching uh, at Star of Hope. So he played a big influence. Um, I really enjoyed um, rugby from a young age. And then I remember when I started primary school, he actually took me to a school that played rugby. So he said, um, look, I'm going to take you to a school that plays rugby because I want you to play rugby. I can see the passion that you have. So with that being said, he, he was always there. Even from, from primary, helped with my coaching. I remember on Fridays when I was still a little boy, I think probably um, 11 or 12, um, every Friday, he used to take me out to the park and he just, he just made me practice running lines, catching, passing, everything. And right up until today, uh, I had to avoid him on Saturdays after, uh, after rugby because you knew from Friday, we'd be discussing rugby right up until Sunday uh, evening if we played on the weekend. So he, he was the biggest influence um, in terms of me playing rugby and he was my biggest support. Um, 
along with that. He, he, he was always there um, throughout, from primary school right up through high school, right up to now Clyde Bradby, where we became not just father and son, um, but um, best friends as well. So he, he was he was definitely a big influence on me um, playing rugby. You said you never you never saw him play, but how was it growing up in a household with a father that was uh, famous in rugby? Or when did you realize that actually this man has a great rugby history? <laughs> so you you when when you're a little kid walking around in town and your dad is busy greeting everybody that's anybody, <laughs> and you you start thinking maybe oh it's a small town you'd make it a small town everybody knows each other, but I I think it came into. Um, I, I realized um, probably around about when I was 13, 14. But even then, I didn't, I didn't really pick up how big he was in terms of um, his status as a rugby player. So uh, it, I think it's only now in the later years, um, in the later years where I really, when taking out his album, going through it um, with him, seeing all the articles that he kept, and how much of a big uh, influence that he had on writing. So that's one of the things I probably regret is that not realizing that sooner enough, um, just how big he was in terms of um, his legacy as a rugby player. So he, he was he was huge. He was huge. Um, and it's only now, especially uh, after everything, that you realize uh, his status as a, as a rugby player or as a former rugby player. So. Uh, for me, it's it, it's something that I marvel at. Uh, I always marvel at, especially during that time, the things he was he 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 was able to achieve during that particular period in our history was was something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of players would have, uh, a lot of people would have been able to to do the same, but he he managed to do that. And <laughs> every day when I walked, and people asked me, um, "Who's your father?" or after matches, and then I'd tell them, and then they'd be like, "Yo." You know your father, and I always have <laughs> arguments with people um, as to who was better, and I always uh, stick up for myself. But I think I think now I'm, I'm willing to concede that he he was a bit better than me. <laughs> he was completely a bit better than me. Okay, let's just take another voice note. Okay. Uh, good evening, Tabiso. Uh, you are about to speak to Budingongi. Tabiso, uh, every time I will be asked if I'm related to Timothy uh, Ngongi, I'll keep my cool. Uh, what I can say is that uh, the poet Mzakembuli once said, the richest place in the world is the cemetery. Buried there are unopposed bestsellers and chart-busting genius materials. Leaders and doctors alike. Bully was correct. <clears throat> Timothy has made his name, has left a mark, indelible mark. Whether we like it or not, he fiercely showed that he has talent under difficult moment back then. Our hearts are torn asunder. May his soul rest in peace. Condolences to Umama Ubawesi and the children.
and the rest of the family internally. Thank you. Goodbye. Evening, dear member. Today I'm from Holland. Can you please ask your guest there? What would he like to happen to honor his father? Thanks. Okay, great. Thank you, Butin Konkin, there for that voice note as well as Tulani. And uh, I, I think that's a fair question there, Siviwa. I mean, how would you like um, his legacy to be kept alive? Oof, that's a very difficult question, Taviso. I mean, uh, we all know about um, the white guys or the, the, the white uh, springbok heroes everywhere. Um, so me being asked that question, I, I, I can't say specifically, but I feel like you're, I, I mean, you've got guys like your Morgan Kushes, who are also, um, who was one of my dad's best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you don't really hear about these guys. You, you'll hear about them, Elohim, uh, uh, people talking about them because they knew them. But I feel like these guys were national heroes, even international heroes in some instances. So, um I mean, even if you have a stadium being named after him, even if it's in the location or, or anything, or have tournaments being named after these heroes, because these guys are Amakawe, true and true. They, because if you have to consider um, the time that they were playing rightly, um, and to achieve the, 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 kind of, the kind of stuff that they achieved, um, it, it's something to be, to be amazed at. So... I don't know. I can't say specifically what, but I feel like their legacies, their names um, shouldn't be forgotten. Uh, and the only way we can do that would be to honor them in a way that ensures that those legacies, those names just don't disappear. Because if you have to go today and go ask um, a kid that plays rugby, that loves rugby, you have to go and ask him about a modern school, a, a, a Bridgman's own door. A, a Timothy Kogi. I, I don't think many would be able to answer you um, in terms of that. But yeah, it's for me it's a very difficult question. But yeah, I mean we, we get all sorts of tournaments all over um, everywhere. But um, yeah, maybe we can have one named after him that we play. Maybe it's something we'll look at in in, in the future, or even combine it for other uh, other black um, South African rugby players that have been there and, and done that. Maybe we can have tournaments along those lines. Maybe it's something the club will look at in the future. We don't know. But um, I feel like, as I said, the names should just, shouldn't just go um, disappear along with them to their graves um, when they've done so much and achieved so much. Couldn't have agreed with you more there, Sivirang Gonki. Thank you very much for being able to join us this evening on SAFM and for being able to share your father's story with us. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Jadiso. Um Everybody stay safe, keep well, and look after yourself. Thank you, thank you. We're not done yet, though. We are still telling the story of Utatu Timothy Ngongi, former Springbok. And uh, we are joined on the line now by a former secretary of the Eastern Cape Rugby Board, Mr. Julius Mali, just to find out more about this legend, uh, Utatu Ngongi. Mr. Mali, good evening, and thank you very much for being able to speak to us on SAFM this evening, sir. Good evening to you too, my friend. How would you, Mr. Mali, describe Utatu Ngongi's contribution to the game? Well, uh, Timothy Sebenzile Konki, that was his second name, Sebenzile, uh, joined rugby 
Swag back in the 1970s. When he left school and decided to join our club, uh, I was in the executive of the club. Then in the 1970s, he, he played his head team division, played second division, and then he went up to the first team. Why? Because Timothy was very fast. His anticipation was very good. Speed, defense, all such things, you know, he was good at. As a result of that, he was a regular in our first team. Are you still there? Yes, I'm still here listening to you. <laughs> uh, okay, he was a regular in our first team. We then, then, we had uh, rugby trials played by the youth league board and the TE board. He was selected by the youth league officials to participate in the trials between PE and UTNH. That is where he actually emerged because he was very good at the club. Selected by the youth league selectors to represent youth league, he played against PE in order to come up with an Eastern Province team. Then, mm. then he was selected to play Sanders. Hello, Mr. Mali? Yes. Oh, I'm losing you there. I'm losing you there. Are you are you still holding your phone um next to your ear? Yeah, I do. Okay, that's I, better. You I, were you were just telling us I lost you when you were saying he was selected to play center. He was selected to play center, but his preference was to play flyer. Fine. He was selected to play center. And uh, he played for Eastern Province Rugby Association. Then he emerged from the Rugby Association to play for the, for the South African Rugby Association. That's where he played with Norman Bigo and them, William Tiba and many others, you know, Lily Jonas or, you know, and many others, you know. And then he became a regular in the South African team. He became a regular mm. and then often... He was asked for the of Dr. Danny Craven. You know, I, I, I think mm. he once traveled with more made duplicity to, to France. He also went to Argentina and, and, many, and he played many, many other places. I remember when he was selected to play, remember Stan de Blanche? Sure, before my time. Yeah, Stan de Blanche used to coach them mm. when they played for South Africa. And then... They, they, they were these, these teams that they used to, invitation teams that they used to yes, select. Yes. And at one time, there was an invitation team that played in Kegwood uh, under floodlights, mm. where Timo was playing Sander. You know, when he drew those guys who were playing against that invitation team, the whole Kegwood desk, you know, the, 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 the walls desk, and then they ran onto the field because he could run. <laughs> I think in that message, he scored three tries against White's of the then time. Sure. So that was Timothy. So when you say he played for the SA Rugby Association team and he went to France, we saw this. He taught France in 19... He played against France in 1977 alongside a yeah. former Springbok captain, Mornay Duplessis. Was this a mixed race team? Was this an official South African team? How did it work at the time? You know, they, they, they had invitation teams mm. that they selected then. Because he could not feature in the in the South African rugby team that was the Springboks. Uh-huh. Because of the then apartheid rules then. 
could not be selected as a black person. For instance, let me quote that in, I think in 1977 they went for trials in Pretoria. Yes. Playing yes. trials in Pretoria against uh, uh, Tobias and them and, and, and many others. He could not be selected because he was black, but he made his mark. That's what I want to say. Yes. Because the rules then, he could not represent the, the South African Springboks then. Mm. Because the rules then were against that. Yes, I saw the part that he was a Springbok trialist uh, um, back in the yeah, time. Yeah, he trialed in Pretoria, yes. He also taught with the SA Barbarians. Yeah, he also taught with the SA Barbarians. He was very good, man. I mean, it's a pity. It's a real great pity that this guy was talented. But uh, he could not be selected. For instance, if, if you trialed with Errol Tobias, what, what, what makes sense not to select Timothy? Mm. Because whenever he plays, you will notice that if his side scores three tries, many of those three tries would have been done by him. Ah. And he could, was he kicking That's also? Because you're saying that he was also a very good fly-off. He was a very good fly-off and even kicking for poles. And then in 2013, uh, he was awarded his Springbok colors when SA Rugby recognized those who couldn't play uh, for the national team because of apartheid. How did he feel about that? Timothy said to me personally that he was going to take his blazer and he did say that it was a pity that it's coming at that time. But he took it and he told me that. That no, it's going to take it because he gets it, it. And he said to me, not now, not now. I deserved it in 1975 already, but I'll take the visa because I deserve it. And so, I agree with that. And was it was it a treasured item for him, his Springbok blazer? Yeah, even today, it's, it's a treasured item for you. Remember, everybody who passes away now, in the previous years, many guys who played then, he attended those funerals wearing that particular blazer you're talking about, mm. showing that he was proud of it. For those who are just joining us, we are talking to Mr. Julius Amali. We're just uh, tracing and telling the story of uh, late former Springbok Utimotengosi, who passed away uh, recently. He was only awarded his Springbok colors in 2013, um, having uh, because he couldn't play for the Springboks at the time because of apartheid. You can send us your voice notes to 061-4104-107 or you can SMS us to 41391 or if you prefer to call us direct and you have anything to share, then the number to call is 0891-104-207. Let me also acknowledge uh, some tweets here. Uh, okay, I've got a tweet from Pilasande Sikaba who says, my brother played for Star of Hope Etinaha where Utatungongi was the president. He was a kind man who was ever always ready to impart his knowledge and then there's another one that just dropped now on twitter it says timothy ngoki morgan ushes and mvula lefume gibson kaulwayo charles mkweba nomen mbiko vuyani mkandu mkatu just a few names who played first-class rugby, albeit along racial lines. This is a rich history of South African rugby. This one is from Ngulleko, Somshato. Do those, what goes through your mind when I mention these names, Mr. Mali? I know them very well. Mm. Because remember, I served in the executive of Tarofoop. I served in the executive of Youthnik Rugby Board. I served in the EP Rugby Association. And I served in the South African Rugby Association as well. So what they're talking about, I know very well. 
I guess this would have also been around the times of Utatu Utotobe also. Utoto, yes, yes. Namkulwa wak. Yes. Sure, what a great story uh, this is. While I was in the exactly those guys you mentioned, you know, Benson Mawini and all those guys, uh, they played in front of me. Mm. Yeah. Of Usumzi Nakani. Of Usumzi Nakani, Ostambo, Tushe, you know, Wonga Boban. And we also saw a story that he was the only black player selected to play in a World 15 team. Yes, he was the only one, unfortunately. Yeah, he was the only one, yes. But on invitation, you know, no, no, not a pure selection, the, sure. the one you know. Because remember, in that era, Timothy Ngongi, you, you know, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't select for Springbok a black guy. Yeah. You had to come in with a sort of invitation. That's why I'm mentioning Ustente Plant. You had to come up when, when you like him, you had to come up with something that's like, hey, let me just select an invitation team and include Timothy Ngongi, you know. So, if you were selected for these invitation teams then, um, at the time, Mr. Mali, was it accepted by the black communities or would they call you a sellout that you go and you play for a South African team where you can't <laughs> represent? <laughs> you, you, know, you know, remember, uh, at first, before there was this thing about uh, Eric Majola, remember Eric Majola, who used to yes, play yes, flyer. Yes, 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 and then there was a problem when Eric was to be buried. He was going to and he bought a city and all that. And then he was split. Yeah. And then there was a lot of talk. I'm mentioning this thing purposely because there was a lot of talk. Uh, we were sellouts. Because if you don't belong to Kwaru and Saru, then you are sellouts. Mm. So I know that. No matter how good you were, if you, if you accepted an invitation from the white, then you are a sellout. Was it fair? Mm, well, politics. If, if, if you look at politics, I'm the me- I am a member of the Southern Africa African National Congress. But no normal sport in an abnormal society. And if you do, then you're a sellout. Are you with me? Yes, I'm listening. Yes. And at the time, Nina, you just wanted to play rugby. Tina, we wanted to... I'll tell you what happened. At what time, as an executive of, of, of Tarofo Rugby Club, we, we decided to play the whites so that tomorrow... South Africa was going to be free, and you had the problem of getting the playing against the white clubs. And we decided that let's try and tackle them now. Mm. We, 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 we not only were sellouts when Timothy and them were representing the, the, the South African rugby board. We were then, when we play Crusaders, New Blues, we were going to teams of by the Schema 80 nil. <laughs> we were trying something. Mm. Then. We were trying something. That is why we are where we are now. Yes. Because we tried then to say, ah, uh-uh, let's write letters and invite them. Let's play against them because uh, at the end of the day, we'll have to play the white clubs. We are today playing those white clubs, more um, crusaders, parks, police, and all that. Yeah, what? And we are winning them now. We can win parks, play them there tomorrow and win parks. <laughs> because we knew what we were doing. <laughs> but you couldn't do it then because you were a sellout, you see. But we tried it and we won. And how was the landscape of, of rugby in the township in the 70s? 
especially a pina setinag. Kalog a pina setinag, which is emergence of Kwaru. There was this problem I was talking about, Oguti. If you are not with the South African Rugby Union and Kwaru, you are nothing. Mm. You can play against those boys and anybody else on Gakuni. No, 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 we are sellers who won't want to talk to you. People won't even predict what we are playing out there. But we play. Hey. This, what, hey. I'm, what I'm talking about was not politics. Yes, yes. Politics had nothing to do with all this. It was a whole ramble around the rugby. It was a Because politics and if it wasn't for politics, Mr. Mali, how far do you think Utatungonki would have gone with this rugby? Oh, very far, because I said to you in the first place that if it was not like that, Timothy would have been, for instance, if they invited Timothy, he did not play flyers for Springboks. He played wing or sender. Yet his key position was fired. I said it was not like that. Timothy was been a regular in a South African rugby union team. Ask the players who played then. Mm. They'll tell you. They know the boy. And the boy was hard because he could run, he could see a gap, he could tackle. You can place him against any white player then yellow pressure. And Timothy would grow through and create many tries that were created. So it goes back to that mindset that black players can't play fly off. You must just put them on the wing and they must just exactly. run. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. If you select him, take him from that position he plays and put him on the wing. In the land, land. I agree with you. Tell I us, agree with you. Tell us, about, tell us more about Star of Hope Rugby Club. I mean, what can you tell us about this rugby club? Because I understand there's also a women's team. Yes, is. even now there's a women's team. You know, Star of Hope was established in 1927. There were then five big rugby clubs in Utnik, namely BZBs, Home Sweepers, Swallows, uh, Star of Hope. Which one did I not turn? I know they were the big five in Utnik. Star of Hope was from then. And all the time, if you look at uh, the, the, the history books, you'll find that Star of Hope will always be there. Eh, 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 Kualang, it's in the second avenue, Kualang, and I said, Tembani, Kagushali star in the swallows. It was a daddy day like the pirates in the chiefs, eh, eh, howdy. It was very important. The arch rivals were swallows and star of hope, all the way. The politics is also full. It in the Balekas are three star. Fightatikov is Baleki, the Balekas own zone in a party. Even our own club was divided into two. We remain playing here. Mm. We still exist up to today. Today, we are one of the key clubs in the Eastern Province rugby. I think of 24 clubs last year, we ended number eight in the lock. Sure. Uh, let's go to the lines here. Yes, yes, yes. We can challenge us even tomorrow. You'll see what I'm talking about. Who's <laughs> 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 <la
Mm. But where we started one day, so I'm better going in there, and the flight like 1680 spring rolls. Mm. And, 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 and we went up, fight in a position. Up to today, the corner African bombers, the corner spring rolls, and the corner of 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 the But we ended number eight. Okay, let's go to the lines. We've got a call from Epai here. I think is it singer up here, Epai? I know, 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 I but I am a true and true Port Elizabeth boy. The mm. period ni tetanga hai na lomdi ni tetanga hai utimoti kimazi kakulu. As much as it's a 10 year difference. I'm six, year, I'm six years old work. But in kimazi because Utata Wam was president. Keltresha kutetonga hai. Uh-huh. He split Senzeka in my father's presidency. And this is not because I suppose in the Malaglay it is to talk about Timot. But I remember very well as a youngster, and he sat in Shayon taking the rapid because then Ulunyana got president, Tata Ambanam, then I was a Zonte. He changed rooms. Tacos of Shalwa. But I remember Ukona, the log jam. That Pumekai Rumin, that sending them told. No one was a randoni, that that Timothy Monti, the attend of a pea what we eat. I think why a light in complexion, and Fuchani, a small dynamite. Ezal. Too much. Mm. It causes arguing artists if I still, still remember very well. Why is she? In London, I took a Unamabaka party in Yazaki, Zazichon, Makalin. Uma Kenche, I'm Nikki Chance, one can get a pin. Ibanan. He was. Okay, thank you for that, uh, Singapi. I'm going to translate for those who are not able to hear, but he says that he remembers Utatunkonki and he was a youngster. His father was president and he knows the split that we are talking about uh, that happened in the 70s with the Kwaru, but he's not going to go deep into that because he believes that it's a story for another day. But he agrees with everything that's been said on the show this evening that Utatunkonki was a fantastic player. He says he was light in complexion there and uh, he was just a brilliant player. And that's everything that's been said by our guests uh, tonight, uh, his son, Usiviwe, and also Mr. Julius Mali. Uh, and Usingap uh, is just sharing those same stories about Utatu Ungogi. Usakona, Mr. Mali, are you still there? Oh, okay. We seem to have lost Mr. Mali. We're going to take a quick break and we'll wrap up after this. Zanzi's sporting milestones, moments, and stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musia. 
And on Facebook, we've also got some messages here. Uloiso Plani says, Zuba Timotinkoki, what a legend. My ex-colleague at VWSA, ironically, his daughter's name is Uno Loiso, and I'm Loiso. I learned a lot from him, and may his soul rest in peace there. We've also got a former teammate on the line of Utatunkoki, Freddy Makoki. Good evening. Thank you for speaking to us on SAFM. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Makoki. We are... Oh, no. Are you still there? Okay. I'm here. Yes, I mean, we're celebrating the legacy of Utatu Unkonki. For you, uh, Utatu Unkonki, how do you describe his contribution to rugby and to South African sport? First of all, that was a guy who got discipline in rugby on and off the field. Utimi was one of the fastest backline at that time yeah. as a flyer and slender, you know. Mm. And he happened to like rugby because after his time, he also went back to revive his club called Star of Hope. That club went up to the program or competition, they call it Eastern Cape Super 14 because of him. And how do you how would you like him to be remembered by those that knew him or even those that did not know about him and are hearing about him for the first time tonight? I would say they must remember him as a legend of rugby. A person who played rugby in his days, went up to play for the World Fifteen in France was the greatest sender in the provincial rugby, which I played with him. Uh, at one stage, we beat Poland in the semi-final of Paul Friendly because of his thinking. Because he saw that his sender was out of position and quickly tell oh, Stephen Matomela that he must tell us as forward to release the ball as fast as possible. When we saw Victor Sondo was under the post, scoring a winning try mm. because of him. Yeah. And I'm going to ask the same question I asked his son, Siviwe. Do you think that uh, he, was, he would have been happy with the state of rugby at the moment in the Eastern Cape and in the country as a whole at the time of his passing? Would you know if he was happy or if he was dissatisfied? As a person who likes rugby, yes, he was happy. But sometimes he was not. Luckily, I happened to see his son. I even told his son at one stage when they play the East London police, when he passed the ball instead of taking a cap, I said to him, go him. If it was Timmy, that should have been a cry there and there. Mm. <laughs> because of how he saw the gap, you know. He is a person, when he's got a ball, he's got eyes everywhere. Mm. Mm. Let's take Nonde Epa. Nonde, good evening. We've been waiting for your call. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Right, he's my favorite troop. He's made a copy from a for thing. Now, do 
Apologies for that. If you can text us, so we'll try and uh, and call you back. But let's wrap up then uh, our conversation with the Freddie Makoke, former teammate uh, at EP and at the Leopards. Freddie, we appreciate you joining us and just sharing your memories of Futatungongi. We just wanted to highlight his story tonight and share it with the rest of the listeners and the rest of South Africa that were not aware of his uh, of his passion for the game and his contribution to the game. And we appreciate the fact that you were able to speak to us this evening. I must say thank you very much for you uh, to bring up that legacy of team. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Dr. Phil Mauma, Emitri Muti, celebrating excellence as always. Thank you, Tavi. So thank you, Dr. Phil Mauma, for the kind words. Uh, you're always uh, far too kind, Dr. Phil. We're going to leave it there. I hope we've learned something today. I've also learned a lot tonight. And uh, that's what we need to tell. Tell our stories. Write books about our heroes of, of, of yesteryear. And don't let people say that black people don't know rugby. You can hear the history of black rugby from this conversation that we've had tonight. The man was a fly-off in the 70s. Hey, how's that?